Welcome to Jury File. My name is Rona, and this is where we discuss some of the cases that Jury File is currently working on or following closely. We do discuss sensitive topics related to criminal investigations, including adult language, violence, abuse, and homicide. All individuals that we discuss are given the presumption of innocence until otherwise convicted in an official court of law. You can find JuryFile at juryfile.com and most podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, and Instagram. JuryFile dedicates 100% of our compensation to the operation of providing legal and medical needs to families that we support. So we're back after an unplanned extended break. And in our continued coverage regarding the massive failure of justice in Grayson County, Texas, we have another disturbing instance of District Attorney Brett Smith in Grayson County failing to support victims and survivors. We began our coverage of this by sharing part one of our coverage regarding Katie Palmer. Just to quickly recap, Katie's husband, John Palmer, sat down with us in part one to discuss the details of what happened when both Katie and John both were struck by a vehicle in what Grayson County is not only called an accident, but they've also ignored major failures by the on-duty officer who was at the scene and let the driver of the vehicle leave the scene of the accident without any of the routine questions that typically happens when an intoxicated driver strikes an individual with their vehicle. They also gave the driver of the vehicle a ride home, which we're told is not typical for standard procedures of what they do. They do not offer rides home. This does not appear to be an accidental situation. This does not appear to be an accidental situation. The driver of the vehicle crossed lanes of traffic in order to hit Katie and John that morning. It's not as if they were walking near the vehicle's lane of traffic. They were on the other side of the road. Now, despite there being no proof of hazardous driving conditions that morning, the driver claimed fog caused his erratic driving. And Grayson County appears more than happy to accept this and move on. And they are the only ones who are able to accept this and move on. The local community of Grayson County, a swath of podcasters online, and concerned individuals who are sharing Katie's story a story that has also now become John's story. This isn't just John's story, it's his fight for justice. We were shocked and saddened to learn about what is happening in Grayson County regarding Katie Palmer. But the longer we are aware of Katie's story, the more we are becoming aware of other stories, other victims and survivors that the Grayson County District Attorney Brett Smith has had a hand in failing. In this episode, we bring you one of those stories. We have more, and now that we're back, we'll bring you all of the information that we have regarding the DA, Brett Smith. Katie's family is calling for the removal of District Attorney Brett Smith in Grayson County due to his inability to prioritize victims and survivors. Their fight has now intersected with other families who have also been failed by Brett Smith. Which brings us to today's episode. So let's talk about Pastor Ricky Rush in Dallas, Texas. Now, Ricky Rush is the pastor of what is known as the IBOC, otherwise known as the Inspiring Body of Christ Church. Now, Ricky Rush is a pastor, and he has made a career out of the ministry that he does. 
but there there's a lot of darker stories surrounding Ricky Rush. And some of those stories even made it to a courtroom recently. Now, if you go to the ibocchurch.org, that is the church that Ricky Rush is currently a pastor of and has been for quite some time. Now, on the website, this is what it says about Pastor Ricky Rush. It says, Pastor Ricky G. Rush is the senior pastor of the Inspiring Body of Christ Church, an internationally acclaimed speaker, teacher, and master illustrator. Okay. He is known for the engaging and humorous ways in which he simplifies the word of God. Born to a single mother, he experienced tragedy and change early in life. The death of his mother, subsequent adoption, and calling to the ministry at 10 years old all combined to transform him from a devastated young boy in despair to a triumphant man of God filled with unlimited compassion. Wow. Pastor Ricky Rush earned a secondary teaching degree from the University of Texas at Arlington, which led him to teach theater arts for 17 years at Skyline High School in Dallas, Texas. Later, he obtained a Doctor of Divinity degree from Rialto Bible College, which afforded him the opportunity to instruct adults and pastors at the collegiate level. Among his major educational influences were, were debate, oratory, and music. His love for music led to the organization of several gospel choirs, during his school and teaching years, he also maintained a rigorous preaching schedule. This was the beginning of what would lead to one of God's greatest assignments in Pastor Ricky Rush's life. Pastor Ricky Rush also has books for sale on his website. Pastor Ricky Rush also has books for sale on his website. A pretty large part of the ministry appears to be dedicated to children. And at the bottom of, the, of this page... It says, his genuine love for people coupled with his humanitarian activities has earned him recognition from several organizations, including the NAACP, the Dallas ISD, George Washington Carver Creative Learning Center, the Dr. Ricky G. Rush Outstanding Achievement Award. Now, on social media, Ricky Rush has tens of thousands of followers between Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. On Instagram alone, he has almost 10,000. Ricky Rush fashioned himself as a pastor, a mentor, a disciplinary, and he would place himself within intimate situations with individuals and families, often less fortunate families, from his congregation. An abuse case was brought against Ricky Rush in Dallas, Texas in 2021. A total of 12 individuals came forward to allege abuse against Ricky Rush. But let's go back for just a moment to a couple of years prior when this information first started to hit the internet, social media, and then official media outlets also joined in the effort to try and bring some awareness to this. Now, what is highly unfortunate about that is the fact that one of the media outlets that were really speaking the loudest about this is the Dallas Morning News. However, the Dallas Morning News is behind a paywall. So I'm unsure how they expected that the general public was going to consume this information and be aware of it overall 
we have no idea how many other alleged victims there may be out there regarding Ricky Rush. Now, if there were a bigger public appeal in this case, perhaps victims would have known. If there are more victims, if he is guilty of these crimes, we don't know. These are allegations. Legally, that's all we can say. I would like to point out that when you see multiple individuals coming forward with very, very similar stories or even the same stories in some cases, when people are individually coming forward on their own like this, it it can definitely hold a lot of weight. These are allegations, though. We can't say whether or not Ricky Rush is guilty of these crimes. But we can bring you the story and we can talk about it. We will end this podcast in a conclusion as to what has happened with Ricky Rush to date. But let's go back so that you get a clear picture of what has happened in the past. Now, we're not going to go as far back as we could. Maybe we'll come back and do that in another episode if we have time later. But for now, we're going to talk about the last few years. So one of the first articles that came out was actually allegations of physical abuse in the way of handcuffing and beating children. It says the Dallas megachurch pastor Ricky Rush is facing new allegations of physical abuse that he handcuffed children and beat them with a paddle after the Dallas Morning News published a report in September. Former members of Inspiring Body of Christ Church came forward to share their stories. These new accounts, two of which were reported to the Dallas police in recent weeks, add a troubling dimension to abuse former members of Inspiring Body of Christ Church said they suffered at the hands of the megachurch founder. They also bolster recollections of other congregants who said that Rush's beatings have spanned decades. Like I said, we'll cover the last couple of years, but this stuff goes back. It goes back for decades. And I believe that my overall push for Katie Palmer was ignited by this case because as many people who follow Jury File know, we are extremely loyal to cases that have to do with child exploitation, any type of predatorial behavior, where we're extremely big on trying to fight back against that and also educate the general public on narratives that are not helpful when it comes to predatorial behavior. This case is is absolutely huge. These allegations go back for decades. My fight for Katie Palmer now intersects with a fight that I already have on a daily basis, and that's to combat narratives, to combat any type of lack of assistance that is out there for cases like this by being an extra hand when it comes to exposure, when it comes to trying to track these people down, when it comes to putting in the painstaking work of looking at seeing things that that you just don't want to be seeing on a daily basis. There's a lot that goes into what what is done through jury file on a daily basis so much so that we literally haven't put out a podcast in weeks. We're trying to change that so that we can be more consistent with our reporting because the exposure side of Jury File, where we do come out with podcast material, where we do put things on social media, helps us immensely. So we have to stay consistent with that. But the this case 
completely intersects with what we do on a daily basis now. We already felt very passionate about what happened to the family of Katie Palmer. We're also very big on combating narratives and predatorial behavior within religions. With A lot of people have coined this religious abuse. And that is what it is when you are abusing people using anything. So in that case, it's just using doctrine to um, mentally abuse people, which then leads to emotional abuse and sometimes physical abuse, like we see in this case. So let's move forward with this. And I'm going to go back to this article that was posted a couple years ago. It says, these new accounts of which were reported to Dallas police in recent weeks adds a troubling dimension to abuse former members of Inspiring Body Church of Christ said they suffered at the hands of the megachurch founder. This church is big. It's not small. They also bolster recollections of other congregants who said that Russia's beatings have spanned decades. The news interviewed more than 25 people for this story. Many did not want to be identified, saying they fear backlash from family members who attended this church, also known as the IBOC, or from Rush himself. When people are manipulated and put into positions like this, oftentimes they're targeted and they do not have the financial means to strike back legally or to protect themselves if they need protection. When somebody threatens you in a vulnerable moment, whether it's that you're young or whether it's that you're going through a hard time, that abuse stays with you. And later it plays out in many situations. Often it can play out in the situation of not feeling comfortable reporting that abuse for fear of more abuse. So this, this becomes a huge issue. And the fact that these people eventually came forward and made these complaints is, is still a very big deal. So let's go to another article. This is posted on the PRnewswire.com. We're going to put all of our sources from these articles down in the description box. I am not going to forget to do that this time. It's going to happen. So let's let's take a look at this article. It's This is a hard one to consume, but we're going to give you every angle of the story. So this is an interview in which Pastor Ricky Rush came out to address these issues. This interview was published on April 6, 2018. The Inspiring Body of Christ Church Senior Pastor Ricky G. Rush is facing recent false defamatory rumors head-on. In December 2017, Joy105.com released an article wrongly accusing Pastor Rush of bad character and poor moral judgment. As of March 2018, Joy 105 has retracted their claims, stating that the following, Joy 105 admires the work being done by Pastor Ricky G. Rush and the inspiring body of Christ Church. A recent story was provided to and released by this news outlet on December 5, 2017, that contained false and non-vetted accusations wrongly accusing Pastor Ricky Rush of bad character and poor moral judgment. No charges have been filed against Pastor Ricky Rush, nor is there anyone who could corroborate the defamatory information. Joy 105 regrets the decision to publish such a defamatory piece without due process of verifying the information. Our readers deserve the truth, and Joy 105 therefore retracts the accusations set forth and fully denounces them. 
Joy 105 apologizes to Pastor Ricky Rush, his wife Beverly Rush, his family, and the inspiring body of Christ Church, and our readers. In light of current events, Pastor Ricky Rush has stated, As you well know, the internet and social media are not regulated and can often misrepresent a person's integrity. In this case, my personal integrity. I am falsely accused, and I pray for all people who are targets of cyberbullying online. It is so important that we bombard the internet and social media with positive messages. That's why my current charge, icumad.com, is a global campaign to do just that, make a positive difference. In response to the false claims, Joy 105's retraction and Pastor Russia's statement, Pastor E. Dewey Smith came forth and said, As always, the work Pastor Ricky Rush does is admirable and a powerful example that the ministry leaders throughout the world strive to follow. Wow. The I'm Mad movement is a prime example of that. I know Pastor Rush personally, and he is a godly man, and that exhibits the utmost sacrifice and commitment to the call of Christ in his life. That's why the onslaught of accusations against him in the media are so inconceivably untrue. They are blatantly false and completely out of left field. Pastor Rush is a man after God's own heart. We cannot confirm or deny that what is in this article is true or false, but we're our red flagometer is way up. And that's a personal statement. And that is not an allegation against anyone. Okay, so if you're not enraged enough at this point, then let's move forward. So May 23rd, 2021, last year, last spring, the bishopaccountability.org posted this. Dallas Mann says he was a teen when Pastor Ricky Rush raped him. I want him to remember and know that I remember. That's the headline. Here's what the article says. A former member of the Inspiring Body Church says he was 13 when Pastor Ricky Rush raped him, an allegation Dallas police say they are investigating. Marcus Bell Jr., 26, described an assault in recent interviews with the Dallas Morning News, saying it came after a week of beatings by Rush in 2007 that left him bruised and barely able to walk. At least six former members of the church told the news that Rush often targeted him for whippings in the name of discipline. The news also recently obtained an affidavit from another former IBOC member submitted to Dallas police two years ago, alleging that Rush touched her inappropriately around 2006. Bell and the woman are among 12 former church members. The news has reported on this since September. Allegedly, a range of abuse by the evangelist when these when these survivors were teens or younger. They described beatings with wooden paddles, sometimes when they were handcuffed or tied down, hazing, and sexual grooming that led to assaults. Rush needs to be held accountable, said Bell, who is serving the final 16 months of a five-year prison sentence for robbery. He doesn't need to be doing this to anybody else. Now, I would just like to also state, since we're talking about all the heinous things and the narratives, this is another issue that does not get talked about enough. There is no reason 
for this news article to have to mention that this person is convicted of anything. Uh, it's completely unrelated. They're a human being alleging abuse. Their conviction for a completely unrelated event has nothing to do with this story. So let's just keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that traumatic situations can make people go down roads that you never thought people would willingly go down. And that's sad. It's unfortunate, but it's reality. And that happens. And there's no reason why someone who is serving a sentence for something, has been convicted of something, has ever been in any kind of trouble in their entire life, why they're not allowed to allege abuse without this being called out. There's no, they're a human being that's alleging abuse. Alleging abuse that they're claiming happened before their, their conviction ever occurred. As accusations mount, victim advocates question whether police have taken the investigation of Rush seriously enough, given his long-standing access to children. No criminal charges have been filed against him. The alleged incidents date back three decades to when Rush, 61, founded the church, which sits on a 50-acre campus in southern Dallas. At one point, IBOC topped 10,000 members, and it has housed a grade school and a daycare center. The rehash of these baseless allegations serve as a third-party attempt by these individuals through the Dallas Morning News to continue a smear campaign against him and the IBOC is a statement from Russia's lawyers. The IBOC community stands solidly behind Pastor Rush. Victim advocates have called for his resignation and held more than a dozen demonstrations outside his church. Rush continues to hold services. Police have known about Bell's rape accusations since October, but did not interview him even by phone until April. Police said that they had made half a dozen efforts to visit Bell in prison, but officials did not allow it due to the pandemic, along with other issues. Deborah Bowles, director of the Women Called Moses Coalition and Outreach, a crisis agency that serves predominantly women and children of color who are victims of violence, said many in the Black community worry that police have not devoted enough attention to the investigation or publicly appealed to potential victims, too afraid to step forward. There's already a concern out there that Black women aren't getting all the support they need from police, Bowles said, and they fear the same, that justice isn't going to be done. Bowles credited Bell for speaking out, saying he is breaking the silence for victims in the community. Dallas Police Chief Eddie Garcia, who took over the department in February, told the news that he is reviewing the case and wants to assure those who have any information about abuse within the church that the department is serious about its investigation. We want to support them. We want them to come forward. We need them to come forward, Garcia said. There is no question about it. Bell's account of being beaten by Rush and a therapist's assessment of his lasting trauma were the first described in a news investigation in September. The article also detailed allegations by Bell's mother, Donna Fields, and his aunt, Renee Phelps, that Rush sexually abused them when they were teens in the 90s. The sister's therapist characterized Rush's behavior leading up to the abuse described by the women as classic sexual grooming. I mean, this is 
<laughs> this this goes back so far. I said that we weren't going to go back all all that far. I I'm covering news articles that have been posted in recent years and information that has been shared online in recent years regarding Ricky Rush. So some of these articles will mention things that go back further just to give you the idea of the fact that this is a pretty far reaching in this is a pretty far reaching situation as far as the time frame. Rush wielded extraordinary influence over the sisters as their spiritual leader and high school drama teacher, according to the women and their relatives. At the time, his sister's parents were grappling with drug addiction and financial problems, and Rush sought to act as their savior, they said. Phillips recognized Rush's actions as abusive after teen years and left the church. It took fields longer. Rush gave her leadership roles in the church and showered her with money and attention. She saw Rush as a protector and a father figure for herself and for her son. Bell loved going to the IBOC as a kid. He idolized Rush and even called him Papa. The two watched professional wrestling in Rush's office. Bell often pretended to be a minister, and Rush sometimes let him lead prayers from the pulpit during service. He used to tell me, oh, you're going to be the one that leads this church someday. When Fields and her husband, Marcus Bell Sr., were breaking up around 2007, the younger Bell began to act out at school. Rush began to fixate on Bell for beatings, sometimes whipping him in front of others with paddles, former church members told the Dallas Morning News. Rush so frequently beat teens with paddles during group activities that it became normalized, former members said. He encouraged parents, often single mothers, to let him discipline their children. In the fall of his seventh grade year, Bell was suspended a week for fighting. Fields allowed him to stay with Rush during the day, believing he would put him to work and maybe give him a swat or two. But between cleaning horse stables at Rush's home and odd jobs around the church that week, Rush beat him several times, once with a boat oar. During one assault, Rush criticized Bell's dad for leaving the church and being a bad parent, according to Bell. Rush would not stop the lashes until Bell referred to Rush as his father, Bell said. The rape occurred that Friday, according to Bell. Rush had ordered him to do yard work at the church before a men's fellowship gathering. The pastor scolded Bell for not picking up enough leaves and brought him back to his office. Bell remembers Rush telling him to pull down his pants. Then the pastor pulled out a paddle that he had nicknamed Lucille and began thrashing him, Bell says. Again, these are all allegations to date. Weak from the days of beatings, he fell to the floor. Suddenly, the paddling stopped and he felt rush behind him, a hand around his neck, he recalls. He could barely breathe. We're going to skip a few lines for the sake of this being a podcast. And while this can be graphic content at times, I am going to choose to skip over the next few lines of this article. The next few lines to describe what happened when Rush assaulted Bell. I don't think we need to get into that. Afterwards, Rush told Bell to go to the bathroom and clean up. Bell caught a view of himself in the mirror. I just looked at the bruises from down my back to my bottom. Rush had more in store for him that evening, Bell said. 
During the fellowship meeting, the pastor told the crowd that he had to punish Bell for his misbehavior at school. As another lesson, Rush auctioned off Bell's Fila tennis shoes that his dad had bought him earlier that week. Before Bell left the church that evening, Rush told him not to tell anyone what had happened. Bell's father told the news that he recalled asking his son where his shoes were. Bell told him Rush had taken them. Angry, Bell Sr. said he went to the church to see Rush, but a group of ushers would not let him. According to Bell, Rush did not touch him after that. Bell Sr. said the rape account devastated him when his son shared it with him recently. He understands why his son didn't tell him years ago. He knew I'd be sitting in the penitentiary now instead of him. Field said her biggest regret in life, her biggest regret is what she said her entire life. Her biggest regret is letting Rush discipline her son. With the help of therapy, she said she now understands the profound psychological hold Rush had over her family. He was grooming all of us, she said. He was grooming our family. This is just absolutely awful. And anybody who follows us on social media, on some of our feeds, you'll see that we do post threads about um, religious abuse from the Elusive Enigma account. And that is something that we are extremely dedicated to fighting back the narrative of because religious abuse is much more multi-layered than anyone realizes. And while the abuse that is experienced is similar to a lot of childhood abuse and a lot of predatorial abuse, when you insert an element of a belief system, it becomes something completely different. And as you can see in some of the statements that I've already read you in um, the article when, when Rush allegedly was facing these rumors head on, they're just dripping in self-righteousness. It's absolutely, absolutely disgusting what they do when they when they gaslight, manipulate, and display predatorial behaviors towards people who are either less fortunate financially or are going through a hard time or have been split up as a family. They, there are so many situations that people face that put them in the position of needing help from others. And this is where predators step in to fill that gap. And I'm, that is a horrible way to put it, but that is exactly what is happening. So the article, this is a, this is a long article, and I'm going to read most of this article because it, it's actually a good article that, that tells the allegations. We have to call them allegations no matter what. We absolutely believe victims. However, we have to call these allegations. So the article continues on. Rush also tried to position himself as a father figure to Fields and her sister before he abused them. In the police affidavit recently obtained by the Dallas Morning News, a third church member described Rush using a similar approach. She said Rush made unwanted sexual advances towards her in his church office around 2006. He began yelling at me, asking me why my jeans were tight, the woman said in the affidavit. Rush asked if she was trying to kill her baby, she said, and told her to take off her belt and unzip her jeans. He then touched my private area, she said in the affidavit, 
I automatically grabbed his hand and asked what he was doing. I was scared and shocked. Rush told her to trust him because he was like a father to her, she said. He asked her he asked her to visit a week later. When she did, he complimented her clothes and said she looked nice. Rush asked her to follow him to his office bathroom, she said. And as they faced a mirror, Rush stood behind her while grabbing her stomach. Rush pressed her to describe what kind of sex she liked, according to the affidavit. She then quit going to church there. Bell said he fell into despair in the years following the rape and he attempted suicide. He was hospitalized for two weeks at the former Timberlawn Psychiatric Hospital, according to his mother. In 2017, Bell pleaded guilty to aggravated robbery for demanding a cell phone at gunpoint. He received the lowest possible sentence five years after a therapist interviewed him and his relatives. In a report submitted to the court, the counselor pointed out a history of physical and emotional abuse by the pastor. So this abuse was actually cited in another court case. Not saying that that makes it official, but it was a claim that was used still. Over the past year, Bell said he has spent time behind bars turning inward to confront his trauma and his mistakes. When his mother and aunt went public about their abuse, it gave him the courage to speak out for the first time, he said. Experts say victims of sexual assault often stay silent for years, even decades before coming forward, and that's very true. Bell sent a letter to a friend last year divulging the assault. His mother shared the note with the police and then also with the Dallas Morning News in October. Bell now sees the abuse as the root of his aggression. He is not seeking early release because he wants to pay for his crime and keep healing, he said. Hate is not closure because you always hold on to it, he said. Love is closure. I need to get right for my family. I'm still working on myself and I want others to learn from me. What would he say to Rush now, the article states? I would probably say nothing to him, Bell said. I would just see how long he could look me in the eyes. I want him to remember and know that I remember. In November, Bell's attorney, Pat Lee, gave Rush 30 days to enter mediation or else Bell would sue the pastor. In response, Rush's attorney said that they would countersue. No suits have been filed when this article was stated. The pastor's attorneys said they have been in communication with Dallas police and offered to make Rush available for an interview. Police declined to say whether they actually questioned him. At the time of this article, of course, this is a little bit, a little before recent news. Pastor Rush remains steadfast and firm in his denial of these 14 to 15-year-old allegations, his attorney said in a statement, and reiterates that they are completely, totally, and utterly false. Rush's lawyer also sent the Dallas Morning News a signed statement labeled Affidavit from Bell's former stepfather, Bradley Cotton. The document said Cotton believed Bell would have told him about any assault at the time, but did not. Cotton confirmed with the Dallas Morning News that he made the comments, but he said he never signed the statement. Rush's attorney said he did. Bell told the news that he was not close with his stepfather. Even if he had been ready to talk about the assault at the time, Bell would not have confided in him, he said. 
Bell's parents and his attorney said that they were troubled that it took police more than five months to interview Bell after learning in October that he said Rush had assaulted him. On April 6th, two detectives spoke to Bell for two hours at the prison. Police took a sworn statement detailing his allegations, according to the assistant chief, Ruben Ramirez. The delay added to years of the family's frustration over what they saw as a lack of communication from the police. Phillips, Bell's aunt, gave her account to an investigator in late 2017. His mother told her story to police in 2018, but the sisters went nearly a year without an update from police. After the news again sought information from the police in 2019 about the investigation of Rush, a new detective informed Bell's mother and aunt that their cases were too old under the law to prosecute, but that they were looking into Bell's allegations that Rush had beat him. Police also told the news that the type of physical contact described by the woman who submitted her own affidavit in 2019 and when it occurred put it outside of the statute of limitations. Other alleged beatings of children disclosed in an October story also occurred too long ago to prosecute. The lack of public resources devoted to helping these victims sends a message that the pain they have suffered should be kept quiet, Johnson wrote. Hall stepped down in December. Johnson said that he has not heard back from the police department. Several victim advocates at Dallas Crisis Centers say they are perplexed that police have not said more publicly about the investigation into Rush, given the growing number of accusers. Bull said she is encouraged that Chief Garcia has reassured the victims in his comments to the news. That's something we haven't heard in a long time, I feel, that he's going to do something about this. I believe this in my heart. Garcia said in an interview last month that he and Ramirez are aware that the assaults tied to the church are grossly underreported, and though police cannot share details, Garcia said they are working to get answers. We want to make sure that if there are victims that have not reported, that they feel safe in reporting, Garcia said. Garcia also said he understands Bowles' concerns that police fell short when it came to allegations of crime in the Black community. If we're not being trauma-informed and we're not talking to victims and we're not practicing procedural justice with our victims, then that's something we certainly need to know so that we can deal with that issue, he said. So again, this article was written May 23rd, 2021. Now, let's fast forward a little bit more. We're going to go to January 19th, 2022 for a shorter article about more recent updates as we move through the timeline of Rush. Now, this is from WBAP.com, and it states, A criminal case involving sexual assault allegations against a Dallas megachurch pastor has been referred to Dallas prosecutors, according to the Dallas Morning News, so it looks like Garcia kept his promise. Two sisters, Renee Phillips and Donna Fields, were to lob allegations that Ricky Rush, pastor of Inspiring Body Church of Christ in Duncanville, assaulted them in the 90s. Their allegations triggered other women to come forward. Neither the names of the other women nor the specific allegations have been revealed. Rush, who is 61, has denied the allegations and remained the pastor of the church amid calls to resign. 
His attorney on Monday supplied Dallas police with the result of the polygraph test taken that year that reportedly read no deception detected, according to the news. So in January of 22, these reports started to surface again, very few and far between, mostly from outlets that do not have as big of a base and they weren't they weren't seen very much let's fast forward a little bit more what does this have to do with district attorney brett smith in all the way over in grayson county we're talking about a case in dallas we're going to get you caught up now with how these two cases come to intersect So an article was written by the Dallas Morning News that stated, while a case was brought against Ricky Rush regarding these victims, that there was no indictment against the pastor. So the article states a Dallas County grand jury declined to indict a megachurch pastor, Ricky Rush, in two criminal cases, including an allegation that he raped a teenager 15 years ago. The decision handed down in a closed-door court proceeding last week means jurors found prosecutors had not presented enough evidence to show probable cause that Rush, the 63-year-old founder of the Inspiring Body Church of Christ, committed crimes. Now, Rush declined to be interviewed. His attorney called the allegations baseless and praised the grand jury's action in a statement to the Dallas Morning News. He stated that the decision finally lifts this cloud as he continues his unbiased and relentless work of bringing God's word and purpose to the community. Now, the article also states that the pastor had been the Southern Dallas megachurch pastor since 1990. Now, here's where it starts to intersect with the case that we have been beginning our reporting on regarding Katie Palmer. In a second case, former church member Marcus Bell Jr. alleges that Rush raped him when he was 13. A prosecutor told Bell's aunt, Renee Phillips, that his case would not go to trial. Over the last four years, Dallas police detectives have faced obstacles in pursuing the allegations. Several accusations were too old to prosecute. The pandemic delayed in-person interviews. Dallas County District Attorney John Cruzat recused himself from the case, citing a personal relationship with Rush, and that led to more delays. That also led to the avenue in which Brett Smith was brought into this case from a different jurisdiction. Now, the article states that ridiculous prosecutors could revive the case if new evidence emerges. Interesting wording. But that is small comfort to former church members who say they have struggled for years to summon the courage to go public with their stories. Bell's family and his attorney say that they're troubled about the handling of the case by Grayson County District Attorney Brett Smith's office since it replaced Cruzot in January. Wow. Bell's aunt and his mother, Donna Fields, are former church members and said that Rush abused them when they were teenagers. Now, the gist of the story is that District Attorney Brett Smith did not interview the victims in this case. He didn't ask them what happened. The people bringing the complaint says in the article, given Rush's history with the family, the sisters said they are dismayed. Prosecutors never discussed the case with them or Bell. Bell's lawyer said prosecutors did not follow basic protocol for handling assault, sexual assault victims. The prosecutors blew it. The lawyer said, Pat Lee of Dallas. 
If you don't talk to the victims, how do you know them and take the case seriously? It's ridiculous, said John Flynn, president of the National District of Attorneys Associations, agreed that the best practice is for prosecutors or a victim advocate to talk with the accusers. I can generally tell you that it is extremely unusual for a prosecutor's office not to speak up to the victim before you put the matter to a grand jury, Flynn said. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Smith's office said in a news release Friday that the prosecutor conducted in-person interviews but did not say with whom. They declined to discuss the case. In another statement, prosecutors said they relied on recorded interviews Dallas police conducted with Bell. The office also said it reviewed reports made available by the Dallas police, as well as documents the grand jury subpoenaed. It did not describe the records. Dallas police officials would not comment. The news has identified a dozen former church members who said they were also abused. Absolutely heinous. They completely dropped the ball. And that was all from the Dallas Morning News. The Dallas Morning News article is, is longer than that. I'll um, like, you know, unfortunately, like I said, this has all been published from behind paywalls or websites that don't get a lot of traction. Um, it's unfortunate, but true. So if Katie's story wasn't enough for you to assist her family in demanding the removal of District Attorney Brett Smith, stay tuned. We have more to discuss about his failure to support victims and survivors, the absolutely damaging behavior of Brett Smith is a failure of justice. And in order to maintain faith and hope and trust in a system that is falling apart, individuals like Brett Smith have to be removed. This is not a maybe. He has to go. Perhaps you could say that Brett Smith is unaware or simply ignorant of his actions. I doubt that. But it's important to note that abuse of this nature is carried out with survivors for the rest of their lives. This is why it is more common to see allegations reported years later, decades later, more so than with other forms of abuse. The removal of an individual's identity and organic growth is hindered by this type of abuse. When the predator chooses to harm an individual in this manner, it's an attempt on their life. I keep sharing that on our social media and I'll continue to do so because that is the reality. How much more data do we really need to stack up against Brett Smith before Grayson County does the right thing here? And that's not a cliche statement. A lot of things like that get said now in the age of social justice, but I wholeheartedly mean it. How much more needs to happen how much more data do they need in order to get rid of Brett Smith? We actually have another story about Brett Smith and his failure to victims and survivors. In the meantime, we want you to encourage everyone to flood their social media feeds with these stories regarding Brett Smith. Grayson County locals must also make their voices loud and clear that they will not accept this in their community. There's an army forming behind John Palmer on behalf of Katie Palmer and her family and many other victims and survivors. So stay tuned. This is far from over. We have another heinous story to bring you regarding Brett Smith. I encourage you to stay tuned to this coverage because this is a wash, rinse, and repeat cycle that needs to be done in counties across the entire country. 
pay attention to what Mandy Matney has done on the Murdoch Murders podcast. Just One Voice has done a whole lot. There's a lot of work that goes behind that voice and putting together that information, but you have to just keep watching. And when you see people trying to attempt to do things like this, to oust people from office who do not belong there, we have to help them. It's the only way we help these issues. It's the only way we move forward and the only way we change the overall systemic damage that we're doing. We're not helping. The system that we have in place is not helping. Overall, there are too many leaks, too many holes in the system. So we have to make sure that the right people are in spots where public officials are making decisions and affecting communities. Again, stay tuned. This isn't over. We have more to come on this. So we'll be back.